Hey guys, so I told you that we were gonna have a guest this week and it is just me and my awesome mom. Oh, well, hello. I, I'm glad to be called awesome. Thank you. Hey, Ma. Hey, Jerrica. How's it going? Guys, this is Sue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also known as Mom. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with Mom for the episode. So just know that her name is actually Sue, but I'm obviously going to refer to her as Mom. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, Mom, what are we uh, talking about today? Well, today we are talking about Morgan Nick. And as of late, they are coming up with new evidence in her case. And she has been missing since uh, 1995. In fact, the terror of that, it's crazy. Anyone you talk to that were parents when that happened, it was a nightmare for them. Uh, literally for every parent that's a parent's nightmare a child coming up missing I was pregnant with you when this happened you know your brothers were young too it was just a terrifying story and there is still no sign of this child so that's that's what we're doing our recording on today this is definitely a case that is close to home Absolutely. Not just close to our hearts, but this is actually physically close to us. Didn't Aunt Cindy and Terry go to that ballpark? Yeah, well, and uh, David and Jordan played at that ballpark also. Um, So it was really close to home. And at the time that this happened, your oldest brother was playing ball. That's why it was so terrifying for me because... You know, Nicholas was one and Stefan was two when I was pregnant with you and trying to keep up with them and your brother Nathan while John played ball. It was very hard, especially if I had I had to go alone, you know, because your dad was working. So it was just terrifying. Definitely a case that's older than me, but has stuck with me for life. Yeah, my heart goes to calling Nick and, and her husband. I could not imagine, I mean, that happened with us, you know, we, we lost Stefan for about 30 minutes, and I was just completely numb from terror, you know, what, what if I couldn't find my child? So, I can't imagine what this mom and dad went through. Colleen and Morgan, they were in a safe place. They were at a ball field, attending a ball game, you know, and basically... I think it was one way in, one way out, if I remember right. And uh, Yeah, it was double fenced in. Yeah, and it was like, how? How on earth could this have happened? You know, I would have let down my defenses and, and said, hey, yeah, you guys go play. And I just feel really bad for all those involved, not just... Not just Colleen and John, Morgan's parents, but her siblings and, uh, you know, their family and obviously all the law enforcement that was working this case. I I know that, I mean, as much as it has affected me and I'm a perfect stranger from this, you know, it did hit close to home. Those that are actually involved in the case, you know, it's got to be hard on them. Absolutely. Right. Let's get down into the beef of it, shall we? Let's do it. If you guys want to follow along, we are 
doing the Hulu coverage of Still Missing Morgan. And today we're going to be recording based off of Twisted Beyond Untwisting, which is the first episode. So the episode starts out, they are discussing the block that they're in, which is where the sex crime offenders are housed. Right. And the officer, he's talking about, he doesn't believe people are rehabilitable and they're twisted beyond untwisting. Right. When you come across someone who is sexually attracted to young children, uh, such as the ones that are on this block, he believes that no amount of rehabilitation would make it where they weren't still attracted to children. You know, it's, they're, they're just beyond hope at that point. I'm 100% inclined to agree with him. And and I do as well. A very demented mind for someone who would be sexually attracted to a child, much less try to hurt a child. There's something broken in you that would cause you to do things like that. Yeah. And I don't think any amount of visiting with a psychiatrist or anything is going to fix that. Mm-hmm. I really don't. No, I agree. But um, that, that's the nature of your being. Right. You know. I don't it, think that you can persuade a child abuser or a child molester to be attracted to someone of their own age. It's against the nature altogether. Right. No matter how sick and awful and evil it is. It, absolutely. So that's where the episode starts is in that cell block in the officer is explaining that that these people are are twisted beyond being untwisted there's no rehabilitation for these people he believes and as you've heard so do jerick and i we believe the same thing absolutely then we get to meet colleen who is morgan's mom colleen nick yes Uh, she was explaining that Um, her husband was military that, uh, they, once he got out of the military, that they decided that they were going to settle in Arkansas. They moved Uh, back to the Ozark area. Yes, because they had family in Dyer and Fort Smith and Alma. So that's why they just decided to pick this area so that they would be close by. And, uh, Colleen, as, uh, instead of working, she decided to open a daycare and she even had an overnight daycare, uh, of which she decided to shut down the overnight part so that she could spend more time with her own children and still have daycare, you know, throughout the day. Right. So still have what, that income. Yeah. Coming still in. have the income, but, uh, you know, still have time available for her own children, you know, as well as the other kids that she was watching. So that's where we come into this. She was saying that uh, it was actually, it made me laugh. Uh, She was explaining that Morgan wanted to join track and field. (laughs) Yeah, she signed up for track in the first grade. Yeah. What did she do the first day that she came home after practice? Yeah, she she said, oh, no, I was hot. I was sweaty. I'm not having this. I want to quit. They made me go outside and run. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, which had me laughing because I guess Morgan at that time just didn't realize what track and field was about. So, <laughs> but, you know, 
Colleen and John being good parents, you know, they she wanted to try some, so they decided to let her try it. Well, one day and done. Yeah, one and done. <laughs> We're out. So instead, she goes on to Girl Scouts because yes. they get to stay inside and glue stuff. Yes, they don't get to go outside and get hot and sweaty and be made to run. So Girl Scouts it was. Same girl. I'd do the same. Yeah. So at this point, um, you know, Morgan is six years old. Colleen was invited to come watch a family friend uh, play ball. And she didn't take all the children with her because she thought it'd be too much. And Morgan went with her. And right. this is where all this um, nightmare begins yeah. for Colleen. The um, two youngest children went to stay with grandparents and Morgan went with Colleen to the ball field. During that section, Colleen talks about she made grilled cheeses. It was a regular yeah. Friday night for all of them, and she made grilled cheese for the kids before taking off with them. And you can hear the regret in her voice. She because, said that yeah. Morgan wasn't much of an eater, and she wanted a second grilled cheese, and yeah. she didn't make her one. Yeah. That and just, she said that always that's always tore at her. And, you know, I understand that. But at the time, I mean, she's a parent. You wouldn't have thought about that, you know, because normally she was not that big of an eater. And then, you know, that's just one of those things. You know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, but it's not always enjoyable, right. you know, remembering those things. So that's obviously something that's going to stick with her forever. Yeah, and make her feel guilty because... She did not fix Morgan that extra grilled cheese. Anyway, I mean, that's a parent's guilt. We get an on-screen from Chief Russell White. We're hearing from Chief of Police Russell White. He's fishing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is a chill dude. Yeah. But he agreed that he and Colleen and John that they all understand that there is a probability that they will not find Morgan. Right. Of course, there's always a belief and a hope that they will find her safe and alive. And if they do, he's talking about the consequences that would have occurred in the past two and a half decades. Right. Which would be, are there more missing children? Yeah. You know, what other consequences there could be, which I don't want to bring up in this, but... We all hear cases of people who've gone missing for a decade or two at a time and do come home. Right. And there's all that trauma that yeah, occurs. Yeah, they're basically broken, you know, from abuse of one sort or another. He's talking about that, and they they don't go into this without realizing that also, you know, that there's a possibility that, she, she may won't not come be. Home. Yeah, she won't come home alive. But there's still hope that she may come home alive because of other children that are being, you know, found. But they're not going into this blindly with these episodes. So then we get to the point where they're at the ball game, and these two children. They're 8 and 10 years old. Uh, the kids' names are Ty and Jessica. And they keep coming up to Morgan, wanting Morgan to go play with them. And Colleen was explaining that it was kind of late, you know, because uh, these are makeup ball games that they're doing. And they're running late. They're running behind. 
and it is getting darker and it is getting later. You know, the kids kept coming up and she kept asking Morgan, do you want to go play with them? And Morgan kept saying no. She kept staying staying by them. Right. Well, she was also really shy. She was outside of her box at the time. But what I thought was cute was Colleen saying that Morgan kept bending down and untying Colleen's shoes. Yeah. And she was like, oh, Oh, no, how do my shoes keep getting untied? She kept making a joke of it because I think Morgan was nervous about her surroundings. And, you know, she was a, a quiet child. She was definitely out of her element. Colleen also said something when the kids kept coming up and asking Morgan to go play. She said she had family members and and friends saying that they thought she was a little overprotective of the kids. And man, this really just stuck me right in the heart too. She said she had a bad feeling about all of that. She felt like something was off. It was out of place. Yeah. She had a bad feeling and she kept telling herself, you're just being silly. You're being overprotective. The reason I say that strikes you in the heart because every parent has those feelings. I don't know about every parent, but every woman that I know of, if you have a bad feeling or you feel like something is off or something is not right. You want to trust your gut. Yeah. I mean, they call that intuition. You know, I don't care what you call it. I think it's the hand of God saying, hey, wake up. Something's going on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, pay attention. Don't let somebody say, oh, you're overprotective or, you know, you need to loosen up on your kids. Those are your children. You know your children better than anyone else knows your children. And if there is a situation where you yourself or your children, you know, you feel like something isn't right, something's very off, walk away. Just walk away from it. I feel like you're preaching at me because I am yeah. I am a hover mom. I no. don't feel bad about it no, at all. No, I'm not preaching at you about that. Every person knows their children. Yeah. I can't tell you as much about your children as you can tell me about your children. Yeah. Okay. Even though I am their grandmother, I am not with them 24-7. You are. Okay. So, you know their habits. You know everything. I know what their body language says. Yeah. Where I don't necessarily know that. But the point I'm trying to make is... If you have a bad feeling about a situation or something doesn't feel right, just collect yourself, collect your children, collect whatever you got to collect and get the heck out of there. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, because something is telling you it ain't right. Don't let somebody else dictate your feelings. Yeah. And that's what happened here. Yeah. You know, because if Colleen would have just listened to herself instead of talking herself out of that, you know, Morgan may still be here. But then, you know, she what may else not. What would have happened? Yeah, right. well, if it wouldn't have been Morgan, it might have been one of those other children. That's you what do, I Yeah, we just don't know. And that's the thing, you know, that goes back to that hindsight being twenty twenty and not always being a joyous thing. This is why we can learn from cases like this, but also bring awareness to it at the same time. Right. And that her having a bad feeling when I I just, I broke out crying when I heard that. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, it's whatever you want to consider it to be. You know, I just think that that's, 
you get those feelings for a reason. Listen to them. Right. And don't try to make excuses for it. Just, like I said, pick up, pack up, and get the heck out of Dodge. You know what I mean? Yeah. The last time that the girls come by, they're telling her that they're going to go catch fireflies. And right. Morgan really wanted to go. So Colleen lets her. And Colleen's like, all right, have fun. And Morgan gives her a hug and a kiss on the cheek. And she watches Morgan run off. That was the last time that she saw her. Mm-hmm. So the two kids come back and they tell her that uh, Morgan stopped to get sand out of her shoes. Colleen immediately got up and started going that direction to find her and never found her. Right. And uh, That was about 10.40 p.m. that night. Correct. And it had to be sometime with her bending over to get the sand out of her shoes to her mom getting there, which I imagine can't have been more than two or three minutes. Right. Chief Russell White was stating that Colleen did not recall anybody driving by or anybody leaving at that time. Right. She doesn't recall that. But in hindsight, too... If you're looking for your child and you have this feeling that something isn't right and you're looking for your child. You're not looking you, at the vehicles. A hundred people can pass you and you're not going to recall that because you're, you know, dead focused on trying to find that child. Right. And I can understand that, you know, as a parent because you're blind to everything around you. You just have that main focus. Hey, I need to find my child. Well, it's a good thing that she didn't try to create a recollection. Right. Because it could have false, it could have been a false false lead. Yeah. Yeah. A false recollection. Once the police were alerted and everything, they actually ended up interviewing the two children that uh, Morgan was playing with. And they did an identikit from both of their statements to identify a man that they said was watching them. Right. They didn't know if the man was wearing a shirt and the shirt was open or if he was shirtless. That was never really... Determined. Yeah. So, but that was the descriptions that they gave them. Then somehow they said that the man was sitting in a red truck with a white camper and that the camper didn't fit on the truck like it should. And he was and, a smoker. Yeah, and he was smoking a cigarette. So I thought for an 8 and 10 year old, that's pretty good. Pretty descriptive. Yeah, it's pretty good knowledge that those, I mean, the children were aware. You know what I mean? Normally, you really wouldn't pay that much attention, you know, because right. you're so busy playing. You know, I mean, think about it. When you're a kid, you're out playing, you're not really paying attention to what's going on around you. Who's around and what's going on. Yeah. But he was enough of a bother to them that they made note in their little right. bitty heads. Right. And that's what I was saying. This guy had to be completely gawking at them. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, sticking out like a sore thumb, you know, to these kids. I can't remember a time in my life where I felt so bothered by somebody that I knew where they were when they were there. I can't remember it. So that guy must have left a terrible impression for these kids. Well, yeah. Later on in the episode, we kind of gather that this guy is menacing. 
Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. because they, they start going over the different stops, you know, the different point points at which this guy was being a menace of one way or another. Yeah. So the police, when they were called, it was 1107, a roundabout time. And the first officer that pulled up, it was Sergeant Harris, and they had received a phone call about a missing child. And he says that by the time he got out there, there were parents and friends trying to find her. Right. And it was very unorganized. Chaotic. Yeah, it was yeah. very chaotic. As, as it would be, because you don't have anyone coordinating you know, efforts like that. Everyone's now, frantic. You're looking for a child. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we lived down on the farm and there was a child that wandered off and was lost in the woods, you know, down there uh, where we lived. Yeah. Thousands of acres. Yeah. And um, your dad and I, John was at home and, uh, you know, he was a senior in high school when this happened. And he said that he would stay awake while your dad and I went to help with the search. And when we got out there, they finally decided to call everybody back out of the woods so that they could get a helicopter and do heat seeking and try to find her. And they did. They found her. It was the next morning, but they did find her. It was, oh my God, it was chaotic. But when we went out there to help with that, they had people... You know, you had to sign in saying who you were and who you were with. And, you know, they coordinated really well. Well, you got to think about it. If I'm at a ball field and, and there's a missing child, I ain't waiting for someone to coordinate anything. I'm going to take myself out in the woods and go find this kid. Yeah, you know? dang straight. They could have just wandered off. John being a senior, that had to be five, six years after this. Yeah. Yeah. It couldn't have been too long after Morgan went missing. Oh, no, it was before that. No, it was, I'm sorry. It was after that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, Ma, right. if he was a senior. Yeah. I, I was thinking of another incident, but. That's okay. Yeah, it was before that. But, and God love everybody that tried to help, tried to look for her, got the word out. I understand that I probably would have been chaotic in myself trying to be out there and be, you know, frantic trying to find this child. I understand you know, where the police are coming from with that because there's no organization. It's like, if I'm walking north and Jerk is walking south and somebody's east and west, you, you're not covering very much area at all. That's why they try to coordinate. So, I mean, I get it. And I get that it was chaos when they got there. So, it's just parents being parents trying to find a lost child, you know. They all have this in their head, like, what if that was my child? You exactly. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And if it was my child, I would want everybody under the sun looking for them. Right. Oh, which I did when we lost Lila at the water park. I had Stacy stay with Lacey because she was still in a stroller. She was, what, seven months old? Yeah. And I had Stacy stay with her and... I'd hollered at Dylan and Devin, which I had already yelled at them because they lost my kid. <laughs> and I had them looking through. One of them was in the Lazy River. One of them was in another pool. Chastity had gone up to the slides. We were looking all over. Yeah. And it was to the point where I was calling the cops to come mm. get them. The uh, employees wouldn't call her name over the intercom because they said if someone did have her. They'd that, know what her name was. Yeah, and that would give them more reason to leave with her 
it was a waiting game. Yeah. Damn straight, I did not wait. I, I ran my butt around trying to find her, yeah. and they finally told me that she was with the nurses team, and there that little old white lady was, and I gave her the biggest hug. And was yeah. like, thank God, my kid knew to go find someone, because statistically, an old lady with white hair is less likely to kidnap you than anyone else. Right. As awful as that sounds, I was very grateful that at five years old she could do that that she recalled doing it yeah Yeah. and it's like i said i mean we're a product of the time that we're in right now i mean colleen didn't think about stuff like that you know back then because you didn't didn't hear of missing kids yeah when you're at a ball park you just don't think of your child being abducted while people are sitting there watching a game You just don't think of things like that happening. And it just didn't, you know, and that was the thing. That's when you let your guard down. But since then, and and God bless Colleen for keeping all that going. And she opening the Morgan Nick Foundation. Yes. And I think, you know, because of this, because of her fight for Morgan, because of her relentless pursuit and trying to bring this child home. She has set in motion different standards for that. I mean, you know, think about what we have now when a child's abducted. You have the Amber Alert Alert. system. And how many kids have been immediately found because of the Amber Alert system? I mean, this is something that's been in the works since Morgan was abducted. Well, because of Morgan Nick, we now have the child safety kits. Right. And if it wasn't for that child safety kit, I wouldn't have had the information to give police because right. you're thinking about that and you can't think, oh God, my child is three foot six. Like You don't think about that at the mm-hmm. time, but you can pull out that child safety kit and you're like, she's got auburn hair, blue eyes. Well, and it she's... has a picture. Of, no. Yeah. The, the no, new ones do. Mm-hmm. They have it. Yep. They have pictures. Uh, she's three foot six. She weighs 45 pounds and... You know, you go through all of that, but at the moment, you're so frantic that you can't think of that information. Right. And because of what happened to Morgan, we have access to that, and we can keep it on our phones. And Well, I actually have a friend that takes a picture of her child, her children, actually. Lines them up, takes a picture of them every morning so that she knows what they're wearing if something happens. I don't have enough about You're me talking to- about Heather. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. know. Heather, if you hear this, yes, we're we're speaking about you. We're but, snitching. Well, but it's a good thing to do. It is. Because I don't have enough, I guess, forethought to actually do something like that. I mean, it's pretty smart if and you think about it. I don't do that like Heather does, but every time I go to the doctors with a kid, whether they're running fevers or they're just sick, I take a picture of them every single time, and I update what their height and weight is. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I mean, I didn't have the forethought for that either, you know. I mean, things have changed so much since I had y'all. I'm 27 years old, so, yeah, I just aged myself. Oops. Oops. (laughs) Well, she was already aged because I already said I was pregnant with her when Morgan went missing, so y'all could pretty much tell. She was born in 95. (laughs) Thanks, Ma. Yeah. (laughs) But, um... I mean, things have changed so much in the last eight years since I've had Lila, much less in the last 30. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, the whole thing with cell phones. I mean, unless you had one of them big old bags, stinking, you know, analog Car phones. phones. Yeah. You just didn't have them. And now, you know, this is the age of cell phone, which I can't say that everything about a cell phone is a good thing, but, you know, most everybody has one. And if you get broke down on the side of a road, most people have a cell phone they can call. That's a very good thing. Um, you know, someone tries to kidnap you or whatever, you can call the cops immediately. That's a very good thing. Kids staying on it past midnight is not a very good thing. <laughs> but so, kids calling their Nina at 8 o'clock at yeah. night because they refuse to go to sleep without seeing their Nina. Yeah. And they can FaceTime her. That's, that's a, a good very, thing. Yeah, that's a very good thing. Yeah. That's not the only grandchild I have to do that with. Uh, we got a little one-year-old who... Nina his, calms him down. Yeah, gives his mom a problem, and he's got a, he's kind of Nina spoiled. So, you know, I, I resemble right. that remark. We skip ahead to 2019. It's been 24 years since Morgan had gone missing. And Russell White, who was the sergeant, who was originally... No, he was the chief of police, not the sergeant. But he's retiring that's where I was getting at. Sorry, yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, and uh, when he retires, Jeff Pointer becomes um, the new chief of police. And Jeff and Russell are, are good friends. Uh, Jeff was just a beat cop, I think, or a dispatcher or something. Whenever Russell was chief, so right. they know. You know, he's been around, and uh, they're they're getting with. Um, there's an investigator named Brett Hartley, too. Um, they are trying to put fresh eyes on Morgan's case. Going, it was never closed, ever. No, no. But you do want new eyes because there's evidence that may have been missed, which or they did someone find. thinks, yeah, or someone thinks is not relevant to, to the case, you know. So they, you know... Russell has asked them to set new eyes on this case to revisit everything. And this is where we come in. Um, Jeff Pointer is, he's called a, a family meeting to talk to the uh, Colleen and John mm -hmm. and the siblings of Morgan and to uh, let them know what they're doing and basically what they've discovered since they've laid new eyes on it. And what he is saying, when we went back, uh, when we were talking about the guy being menacing to the kids, they went back and they tried to track his movements throughout the day. So, um, Well, not just that day, but before and after, too. Yeah, before that. So they realized that this guy that uh, in the red truck with the white camper... Uh, 97, 1997. Had attempted to kidnap another girl. Yeah, from a laundromat. Then we get to the point where Chief Pointer is telling us about these different locations throughout the day that the day that Morgan was abducted. And they know. caught him on the CCTV cameras. Right. Anyway, so the first location uh, they were talking about he passes a teenager walking on the side of the road, a young, a young white female uh, walking on the side of the road. He passed her, stopped, backed up, and asked her if she wanted to ride downtown Alma. And she was so disturbed by this guy that she just 
took off walking again. And she said that the guy stood there, you know, stopped there and stayed there for a little bit. And then he just, yeah. And then he took off. Okay. So that was location number one. And they got a very good description from this teenager that this happened to. And, and it this, matched the what the 8 and 10 year old had said. Correct. And he was in a red truck with a white camper. So the, this is where they're going with this. You know, they're tracking this particular guy's movements. On that day. Yeah. And then the, the camera, the video that the uh, parents had took shows that red truck. In the background. Yeah. But here's the, here's the thing, you know, this is why the fresh eyes was good because back then, you know, they were trying to identify all these people. Well, they said a parent come in that vehicle and that that vehicle was not a Ford, but it was a Nissan because I don't remember how they figured out that it was a Ford pickup truck with a white camper. But they were saying that they didn't think that that was a camper in that video at all. They thought it was like a storm door or something in the back of a truck, and the truck was a Nissan. So, hence, that was, they found that irrelevant, where... Initially. Initially, yeah. But with the fresh eyes, they found it relevant, you know. So, they're tracking the movement of this guy. Right. In this red Ford pickup with a white camper. So, location one, he tries to abduct a teenage girl. We can't say he tried to abduct her, but he asked her if she wanted a ride. So, let's just, you know. Let's go with our gut and tell us that he had bad plans. Well, yeah. He he had ulterior motives for that. After he, phrase. Yeah, ulterior <laughs> motives. Yeah, definitely. So after he left location one, you know, left the girl be, he tried something with two little girls that were five and six years old at a second location. They went crying and screaming to their mother, and their mother saw a scruffy man in a red Ford pickup with a white camper, okay? Just... A few minutes down the road from... Where he was with the teenager. Right. In front of the laundry mat. Right. So, they are actually tracking this guy's movements. After he leaves the two girls crying and screaming to their mother, he heads downtown Alma where he stops and gets on to two boys for being in the street, for playing in the street. He's yelling at them. And I guess it made such an impression with them because they gave them, the police, the same description that the two kids playing with Morgan did. Right. Then he goes a little ways down and uh, I... And it wasn't that he was interested in the boys. No. They were in his way. Yeah. Yeah. They were in the road and he was yelling at them to get out of the road. Being menacing, so to speak. So, after he left them, there were some 10-year-old boys who he stopped and did the same thing from. And they were just down from uh, the old ball field. I think one of them had a bike and two of them were on foot or something. And they, they were in the road. So, he stopped and yelled at them to get out of the road. So, obviously, same guy, same description, same menacing tone. Right. And then, Same truck. Yeah. And there was, like, he, he was going over, like, seven different locations. and All where you would find children. Right. It wasn't like he was going to grocery stores. You know, they were talking about 
the fact that those two children now mind you morgan would have seen this guy too being menacing at the ball so the image of that truck at that ball field they're pretty sure was the suspect's truck you know just the the video you know and that and that goes back to the time that we were in you know video footage was not really great right and they tried to enhance it as best they could but you know we're talking it's not like today's standards right we've had know. nearly three decades of cameras that being updated are extremely high depth now yeah yeah they're pretty sure that this is the suspect and he is responsible for getting morgan and then was that location number six you know where she was ultimately abducted or was there something different yeah no that was number six because the seventh location is where they that's yeah it's undisclosed for a reason they they made it undisclosed where these teenagers were but these teenagers there was a car full of teenagers doing teenage things that they probably should not have been doing and not necessarily legal but maybe nefarious (laughs) probably probably (laughs) the truck comes in there and he's sitting there just with his lights on and looking kind of menacing i guess so the teenagers decide to leave when they were going by one of the teenagers told police that he was pretty sure that there was a child in the seat. Yeah, being held down by the man. But, you know, they, I think, you know, them doing whatever it was that they were doing, knowing full well that they were probably going to get in trouble, they decided to leave, you know, because they didn't know who this person was. And then when they found out about Morgan, they immediately went to the police station and told them what they saw. So this location number seven is, they're pretty sure that was the last time Morgan Nick was seen. And accounted for. Yeah, was at this location number seven. That's where we're at with all that. I just wanted to put out there, anyone listening to this, if you have any information about anybody missing or whatever, whether you think it's relevant or not, just go to the police, tell them. You know, because yeah. anything, anything at this point can help, you know, and it there were a lot of to. things. Yeah, there were a lot of things that they thought was just innocuous, right. you know, which. But it came back to matter later. Yeah, which at the end of this video, Chief Pointer is telling the family, listen, everything that we have recovered so far has been on the backs of the original officers. They said, like. Once they found out about the red truck, they had state police, they had officers, that state police was parked out at parks and, you know, doing searches. They pulled over numerous red trucks, whether they had a camper or not. They did so much. They collected evidence, whether they thought it was innocuous or not. You know, all this stuff that they're finding now was on the backs of the work that the officers done then and the investigators. And that's what he's saying. It's like, sometimes you have to put fresh eyes on stuff. Right. Always good to go over something with new eyes and with a fine tooth comb because you don't have all these preconceived notions. Notions. You are looking at it. Okay. We're going to take this as a case as if it came in today Here's all the evidence. Let's look through it and see what we can put together. 
Well, and it's not only fresh eyes, but it's newer perspectives. Yeah, exactly. You know, because my perspective on things may not be yours. Right. Y- you may have a total different perspective than me. Right. And, and that's, that's the reason it, it's good that they have fresh eyes on this and that they're trying to do this. And, and what I'm saying is, if at all possible, if anyone listening to this knows anything or even if it's just the simplest of things just go to the police go to the police and tell them i mean he said there was over 1800 calls, calls and in, tips yeah yeah for when morgan went missing so i'm gonna be posting a picture of the truck with the white camper onto our facebook page so you guys can see it i 100 percent suggest this docuseries to anybody please go watch it please share if you have any information on Morgan or another missing person, please share. You can always remain anonymous. You do not have to give your information. Right. The well, goal at the end of the day is to bring Morgan home. Yes. And not only that, but in watching this and, and learning from someone else's misery, you know, keep a better eye on your kids. Yeah. You know, because the world we live in today is a heck of a lot scarier than what it was when Morgan was abducted. So, you know, we know about these things now. You know, we know that there are predators out there, you know. Well, Sue. (laughs) (laughs) You're funny. Ma, thanks for joining me today. And you took the lead on this one. So, well, thanks a lot. (laughs) Oh, well, I, I didn't really intend to, but... It's something I'm very passionate about. And like I said, anyone my age that was having children at the time that this happened, you know that this was your worst nightmare. And I can only imagine how Colleen and John felt. Yeah. I, you know, I, I actually can't even say that. I would not want to imagine the nightmare that those two parents have went through. Absolutely. Yeah. So Bless them. Definitely yeah. praying for them all the time. So Praying that we bring Morgan home. Yeah, absolutely. So until next time, everybody stay safe. Mm-hmm.